Looking back at some of the other honors, there's the We Met Caddy Scholarship Fund. You must be very proud of that. I'm very proud of that. Uh, that Caddy Fund was organized in 1949, and uh, it has been a source of great satisfaction to me. There's no story that could ever be told that is richer or sweeter than the story of Francis and Eddie. And may your lives be full of birdies and eagles. Welcome to Legacy, the We Met Fun podcast. On today's episode, we welcome on Jesse Menachem, Executive Director and CEO of Mass Golf. Jesse developed a love of golf from a young age, playing in his hometown of Framingham, Massachusetts. And throughout his life, Jesse's various professional roles have been entirely focused in the golf industry. From his multiple USGA boat ride internships with what was then the Massachusetts Golf Association, to being hired as a full-time MGA employee working in rules, competitions, and championships, through to his current position as executive director of Mass Golf. You certainly wouldn't hear it from someone as modest as Jesse, but his career has been something worth bragging about. After being hired full-time by the MGA in 2008, straight out of his graduation from Indiana University, Jesse spent five years learning the ins and outs of multiple departments before being hired as the executive director of the MGA at the age of 27. Jesse is the youngest executive director in the association's 120-year history and remains one of the youngest in the country to hold this position at a state or regional golf association. Under his leadership, the staff size of Mass Golf has nearly tripled, and the organization is on the cutting edge across multiple departments, from the quality of the championships they run, to the scale of their communications and marketing efforts, to their work with the First Tee of Massachusetts and other charitable endeavors. Mass Golf is such a leader in the industry, in fact, that in 2021, Jesse was named the president of the International Association of Golf Administrators, or the IAGA, an organization which supports all state and regional golf associations across the country. We enjoyed our conversation with Jesse discussing his background, his growing up in golf, and the growth of Mass Golf, as well as where he sees the organization in the coming years. And of course, the most important topic, the 2023 golf season being upon us. We hope you enjoy our conversation with Jesse Menachem, and thank you for listening. Have you been able to uh, play it all yet? I played Super Bowl Sunday, but I have not played oh, since. Oh, wow. Super Bowl Sunday up here? Yeah. Oh, wow. I forget what the weather was like. Wow. It was a pretty solid day. You know, I caught the nine-hole, two-hour window right before kickoff and said, what the heck? Why not? It's awesome. Colin and I just played, what was that, on Tuesday, Colin, at Putterham? Mm-hmm. Yep. Front nine at Putterham after the banquet. We had our former alumni committee chair. He's now in general part of the development committee. He's on the fundraising side down in the Hopkins Athletic Department in D.C. So he came up for the banquet. And he's been very involved the last several years. So Thomas grabbed a slot and we had a beautiful, beautiful afternoon. Good for you. I'm seeing a lot of tree work activity at that place right now. Justin said it was 6,000 trees came down. Wow. I mean, you know, some of the size of your fist, but 6,000 in total. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. No, Jesse, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, talk with us today. Needless to say, this is a fairly busy time of the year for you. But we think it'll be an awesome way for everyone out there to not only hear what to expect from the Massachusetts golf season for 2023, but also to hear some of the history and the growth of the organization and get to know the guy in charge. And we really would like to talk all things Mass Golf. But before we do, we want to hear a little bit more about your personal story and how you've come to have the role you have at the organization. For someone who spent three summers during college as a boat ride intern and has worked in the golf world and golf administration since graduation, one might assume that you've been at least passionate, if not possibly obsessed, with the game forever. Is that the case for you? Where does your golf story begin? What are your first memories of the game? No, thank you for this. It's great to be with both of you. 
appreciate the opportunity and excited for the discussion. Yeah, I guess obsessed is a good fit. And I can't say I was totally obsessed in my youth, but through the work, through the activity, through the lifestyle that this game offers, it's probably hit that obsessed threshold. So yeah, I was introduced to golf probably when I was about four or five years old. Like many people, my father was able to introduce me to the game, get me out there on the golf course, cutting down an old wooden set of clubs. Never forget that first time I broke one at Juniper Hill Golf Course, but that was kind of the norm for me. Had a blast, you know, growing up in the Framingham area, bouncing around to some of the public facilities. Millwood Farms is kind of where I cut my teeth. We can talk a little bit about that. But Juniper Hill, Wayland Country Club, Sandy Burr, you know, that was right in the backyard and really learned the game, learned about the etiquette of the game, the people, the nomenclature, and got a bit of that hook back when I was four, five, six years old. Yeah, Jesse, that's the same for me. I grew up playing with my dad as well. And my dad would be the first to say, he's not a great golfer, but he does love the game. And he passed on that love to me as well, which sounds like it's very similar for you. So you just named a couple of those courses that you and your family grew up playing. Was there any competition going on in the family? Or maybe in middle school or high school, did you ever get into any competitive golf? I did. And it probably took a turn right around high school. Growing up, I played all sports. Baseball was really my passion. I used to go to summer camp as well. So I wasn't able to play a ton of golf during the summer. But coming back in the fall, we'd ramp right back up. We'd play either early in the morning or late in the night through darkness, right? I mean, that was what we were used to. But actually, I tried out for the golf team, didn't make it my freshman year, but really went hard after that and was able to make the team, rode my way through, leaning on some of my older peers who kind of guided me a little bit, taught me the game, taught me the competitive side of it as well. But beyond that, I didn't play a ton of competitive golf in and around the region or the state. It was really just high school, was able to cut my teeth, get comfortable, get familiar. I was captain of the golf team my senior year and had some great opportunities. Had a hole-in-one in in a match. That's what I can hang my hat on. (laughs) Where was that, Jesse? So that was at Millwood Farms, which is no longer in existence, unfortunately. You know, the 14-hole golf course in Framingham. But what a memory. What an experience. Were they doing bag tags back then? So great question. Shortly thereafter, we had launched the bag tag program. And I think mine was used as that sample, as that marketing (laughs) ploy on the website. So, you know, timing's everything, right? That's a great thing to have on your golf resume. One of the unique things, Jesse, about your career is you decided to go to school, go to college at Indiana University, a great school, certainly far from Framingham, though. Just as background, you know, I also went out to the Midwest for college. What made you decide to head west with your next chapter? For me, I was looking for a change of scenery, change of pace, a new culture, see a different part of the country. I had known I wanted to consider some sort of business degree, the Kelly School of Business at IU, one of the best in the nation, probably not as well known here on the East Coast. But, you know, in visiting some schools, I came to realize I needed that big time atmosphere, you know, not just the 40,000 students, but the city of Bloomington really revolves around the campus and the campus life. I didn't feel I could really find that up here in New England or the Northeast, but I would not have changed anything. I had a tremendous time out there. I've always felt, you know, that part of the country serves as a melting pot. So you're meeting people from all over the country. And that's proved for me where I've got friends that live just about everywhere. And it creates a really, really unique network. 
absolutely agree when, you know, I went out in Ohio, Dennis University, much smaller than Indiana, but there were five of us senior year from five different states. So I can definitely relate to that. Now, were you allowed to bring your golf clubs with you or did you have to just have a basketball in your hands? <laughs> yeah, great. You know, I just missed the Bobby Knight days and the 2002 <laughs> national championship, unfortunately, but the clubs did make their way. You know, it's funny through business school, sports management, as we all know, internships are key to, you know, your progression, getting the foot in the door. So golf became really a vehicle for me to consider what might I do. I made some cold calls. I tried the minor league baseball route. Didn't really feel that was the best fit at the time. You know, some pretty unique remote locations, as we know. I started to think about my upbringing and some of the activities. My father's very friendly with Paul Murphy, formidable competitor within the state, mass golf champion. And Charles River, right? Yeah, Charles River Country Club. And Paul recommended that I reach out to the MGA, the Massachusetts Golf Association at the time. He knew there was an internship program. Spoke to Owen O'Malley, who was in the tournament director role back then, and also spoke with Tom Landry, the executive director at the time. And they welcomed me with open arms. Really unique. I mean, it was a three-month deal. It was an opportunity to learn the golf administration side of the business, interact with volunteers, with staff, host club representatives as well. So I jumped right in. I had an absolute blast in that first summer. Jesse, speaking of the boat ride internship through the USGA, I personally did one myself. I was working at the time with what was then the Women's Golf Association of Massachusetts and with Kathleen Beach. And I can't speak more highly of the program overall. Mine was a nine month. But as you just noted, I don't work in golf administration, but in my nine months in Massachusetts, I felt I was able to meet a lot of people from a lot of different clubs. Many of them are supporting clubs that we met fund. So I felt it did help me a lot as well. What impact did those various boat ride internships that you did throughout college have on you as a young man, a college student? And, you know, you kind of currently have a number of boat ride interns on your staff. We actually do as well at the We Met Fund. What is the reason you might specifically look to hire a boat ride? And how have you seen the USGA continue to improve and expand that program? For me, it was an entry point, but to be invited back for subsequent summers and seasons, it allowed me to really dig my heels in a little bit and get familiar with the people and the operations and the culture. And for me, that's honestly what's proven to be most successful long-term, which we can talk more about. But the Bullwright Internship at that time, our organization had one opportunity. We now have eight. So the program's grown and it's become a bit of a farm system for our industry. We've got several on staff now. We've got several that remain in the business and you know a few that have gone on to different ventures and opportunities. But for us, it's been able to provide a well-rounded experience. It serves to complement our staff and our volunteers during our busy in-season months, whether it's supporting our member services, gin, handicapping, course rating, perhaps our tournaments or events and championships. There's a lot of needs that are required to run anywhere from 100 to 125 events throughout the summer season. So from a course setup standpoint, rules of golf standpoint, really general operational logistics. It's a well-rounded experience. You're working in the game, you're working with great people, and you have the tutelage of some former boat rights, which I think provides a bit of a mentorship opportunity. You've got some guidance coming from the USGA where they're able to provide some education and mentorship as well, whether it be through virtual experiences or there's an in-person orientation. So again, I think it's one of the best things that the USGA offers. They invest a lot of money. I think it's well over a million dollars in this program, but it's proven to be hugely successful and a pipeline for our industry. 
you made a comment where the boat rights went from a singular boat right back when you started to now you have eight. Just before I kind of dive into Maskov, remind me and the listeners, the team has grown, the departments have grown. What was the staff size like back then and the staff size now in addition to the boat right growth? So back in 2005, when I started, I think we were a staff of nine. We are now about to start the 2023 season with a staff of 25 and eight additional interns on top of that. It really shows the breadth, the scope, the level of activity, but also the posture that this industry is in. And we have a need to keep up with that and accommodate it and continue to build off our programs and services. Great. You know, I think for so many golfers throughout Mass, they know who you are now. They see you at courses all across the state. You're popping in at events. You're on the first tee, certainly meetings with leadership. But can you start to maybe give us a peek behind the curtain of your work? What is a normal day-to-day look like for executive director of a golf association? I mean, as big as one of mass golf size, obviously season to season, seasonality elements. So March through July type of thing. What's a day-to-day for you, Jesse, for the season? As an association of member clubs, we are operated by a board of directors. We have 15 board members who represent our member clubs from Cape Cod to the Berkshires, public, private, non-real estate. So there's 340 member clubs statewide. Two-thirds of those clubs are public access, always something important to highlight and reference. We have over 100,000 individual golfers. So between the individual golfers and our member clubs, we're a service-based 501c3 charity. We are servicing by way of the handicapping system, the course rating system, educating on the rules of golf, rules of handicapping, Being a community resource for the game, assisting our member clubs on a daily basis and our individual golfers and how they might engage with the game, whether they're, you know, a competitive amateur champion or a casual member day player. We want to be able to cater to any golfer, no matter their age, their ability, and maybe they're just a fan of the game. So for us, we have departments that accommodate all of what we do. Uh, championship department, member services, communications and marketing, finance and administration, what have you. And then on top of that as well, as a charity, we are hugely invested in junior golf development. So we've been a 25-year charter of the First Tee program. And on top of that, we have invested in another national program called Youth on Course. And this allows for affordable access for youth where they pay no more than $5 per round. So I mention all of these activities and departments because it's really the core functions of what we do. So I'm reporting to our board of directors. We have a staff of 25. We have five department heads that lead each department. So really managing the team, managing the operations, seeing through our strategic plan. We're in year four of a five-year plan there where we really reset on ourselves as an organization, which we can talk more about by way of our merger. But for me, on a daily basis, it's working with our board, working with our volunteers, working with our member clubs, representatives, and constituents to keep this game moving forward, advancing the game of golf within the state, calling out what the needs are for clubs, for golfers, what are the values that they appreciate and they want to see long-term being offered by way of their Mass Golf membership. So it's important for us to keep ahead of that, but also to sustain the levels of services and programs that we've been able to be successful at for over 100 years' time. 
Well said. Yeah, and we're going to dive into a lot of that. There's a lot to unpack there. But yeah, the scale and the scope of Mass Golf, even for me, having worked here with the WeMet Fund for six years, it still continues to amaze me. You hit on this a bit, but one interesting challenge of taking on a role like yours is you have to be well-versed in many facets of the industry. For example, a person might build their career in the championship department, but then you also have to be aware of the management side, the rules side, the course rating side, communications, the list kind of goes on and on. Where did you first start at what I believe was then the Massachusetts Golf Association? And when you took on the role in 2013, what was your approach to being able to have an understanding of each piece of the puzzle? So as a natural progression with the Boatwright Internship at that time, because it was mainly focused around events and championships, I was hired full-time right out of school to help support our championships and events. I was our director of rules and competitions for about six years. And then, yeah, in 2013, became executive director after a national search. I got comfortable with the rules of golf, with course setup, championship administration. It became a passion, kind of a, a labor of love, if you will. And believe me, you know, the fact that we're a seasonal organization where we've got events from May to October, it's nice to unwind a little bit during those winter months. But we go all in during the summer months in the active season. And I think that's really what's laid the groundwork for me to be successful in this role, because being on the front lines, managing those events, getting to know the players, the volunteers, the club staff, the club reps, that's what's allowed me to be comfortable in reaching out to these folks 10 years later with a program, an initiative, a favor needed, or really just to be a sounding board if there's something to discuss with respect to where the game is going, or even two years ago through the pandemic, trying to navigate those processes. That's really where I cut my teeth within the game. Going back to 2013, though, I think leaning on those relationships, leaning on those experts, whether they've been you know, on staff here for five years or 10 years, or they've been involved with the organization as an official in charge, or someone to lean on in the financial space where I was a sports management major. I had my focus on managing operations and what have you. So I was not an expert in all things business related. And having those connections and being comfortable to pick up the phone, drop someone a note, and be able to use the resources that were available, that's, I think, what really has provided a successful path for me. And I would say, in turn, the organization. Jesse, you're talking a lot there about relationships and your constituents and kind of how can you move it forward. And if someone were to look up the Mass Golf mission statement, it's to advance the game of golf in the state, building an engaged community around the sport. And the word advance is in there. That's particularly interesting. I think it's something we've seen from you, from Mass Golf, the whole team upstairs in the last two, three, five years in particular. So what does advancement look like for you on a year-to-day basis? Like, What's the role of the State Golf Association, Mass Golf, play in managing the game and advancing it? Yeah, so really as the governing body of golf here locally, we're also a partner of the USGA. So we have the ability to carry out their services, their governance practices to some degree. But for us, it's an opportunity to keep this game moving forward. What can we do here locally to be more inclusive, to sustain the game and the opportunities that are available for member clubs, for golfers, for those that want to be involved in golf activity? It's keeping kind of the foot on the accelerator, certainly in a measured way. We're not trying to gas it all the time, but we want to make sure we're thinking 5, 10, 15 years down the road. We have an opportunity to bring groups together, the community together, whether it's other affiliate organizations, celebrating not only milestones, but 
when a national championship comes to town? How can we introduce golf to folks who have never participated in it before? And using different vehicles or different platforms to do that. So I think as a bigger team, as a bigger staff now, we have the resources and the people to be able to branch out a little bit more than we ever did. And we want this to be successful for generations to come. I hear a guy like Mike Wan say, we want to be able to support the game so your kids' kids can benefit from it. Now, do we have that ability here as a stake golf association? Maybe not as much as the USGA, but I think that can resonate a bit for the work and the activities that we're trying to pursue. Yeah, I mean, things get passed on on a very micro level. I mean, parents to kids, and when you're engaging those families here in the state, those are your constituents, and then their kids, just like all of us. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, expansion and advancement, as you just noted, are some of the things we've discussed now. And I think one of the most crucial advancements for Mass Golf in recent years was the merger of the two state organizations, the Massachusetts Golf Association and the Women's Golf Association of Massachusetts. You have now merged to become Mass Golf, I believe it was in 2018. What was the impetus behind that merger? And what has improved or changed in those five years since? Were there any learning curves to joining two organizations with that much history? Certainly, and I appreciate you all bringing this up. We're basically talking about two 100-plus-year organizations who serve their members, their constituents in a very successful way. I think for a couple decades, there was always some conversation, you know, what could a singular unified organization look like? What benefit would that provide to the golf community? And I think ultimately, you know, around 2016, 17, it really just took the right people around the table who were like-minded, had the vision and understanding that we can be a very strong organization to support golf long-term. We weren't necessarily the innovators, right? This was happening in other parts of the country. I would probably say over the last 10 or 15 years, Florida State Golf Association, the Rhode Island Golf Association to our South, they've had some tremendous success. So there were some playbooks out there that we were able to lean on and rely on. But I think this became an opportunity for us to come together, collaborate, create some efficiencies and simplify the landscape for what we're collectively trying to achieve. You know, we had very similar values, missions, objectives, and functions. We're all working with volunteers who love and support the game. The MGA had, you know, a slightly bigger staff. So this was a way for us to pull things together to serve the golf community. And looking back five years later, we were able to take this opportunity and really reset who we were as an organization who we wanted to be. We were intentional about that. We decided to rebrand, create a different mark, a different mission and vision. That was what we felt would be relevant for this alignment, but also for the future growth and interest that we had as a combined organization. And I think it's paid off. We've been able to be rather intentional with marketing, promotion, pulling in folks in the community that we never once did and really being more proactive than we had ever been previously. So we were able to streamline some operations through our events, elevate certain events and programs, and really just become a healthier, stronger, singular organization. Jesse, you talk about enhancements and partnerships and streamlining. I think that's a perfect time just to kind of touch on another element where, you know, Mass Golf has been a wonderful partner to the We Met Fund for many years. And Personally, it's been rewarding working even closer with you for the last 10 in your role. Back in 2017, there were conversations talking about the 2018 Memorial Tournament, the We Met Memorial, and your leadership of Mass Golf, the leadership of We Met, we met to talk about 
that three-day invitational, moving from something that we oversaw to us passing it fully onto Mass Golf and now on your championship schedule. So, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what does it mean to keep Mr. We Met's legacy going and perhaps add that stroke play major on the Mass Golf calendar? It worked for everybody in terms of the priorities of Mass Golf and the priorities of the We Met Fund. I'm glad you did speak for me because I think you nailed it. The stars aligned here. We were at a bit of a crossroads where there was an opportunity presented and the affinity and affiliation between Mass Golf and the We Met Fund. It's a perfect marriage collaboration given the history of Francis and Eddie and you know how clubs support the charity. And as we know, there's quite a bit of overlap in this space of folks who want to support the game, give back to the game, and just it's a fabric of what we do. So yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it because at that time, you know, working with you, working with Bob Donovan, Dick Conley, you know, this was an event rich in history, tremendous champions, three different divisions that aligned with exactly what we were trying to achieve by way of our merger. So it's a way I felt and the likes of Tom Bagley, our president and our staff, where this was a way to showcase the best players representing all different demographics within the organization and the state. And, you know, it's what we do on a daily basis, right? We've got over 20 championships and to be able to help elevate the We Met Memorial build it into our program and schedule as, you know, really that stroke play championship for men, seniors, women, whether they're a junior, mid-am, or a senior, just a perfect fit. And we've seen some great winnings, traditions, and outcomes even since then. So tremendous to have Woodland as the anchor there, you know, with the third and final round. They've been a tremendous supporter, but it also provides a platform to bring the event to different parts of the state as well. I mean, you're absolutely right. The priorities of the scholarship fundraising for We Met, but the critical piece was Mass Golf was going to keep and further enhance that legacy, the We Met history, the Lowry history, the Conley history, all of that remains and is in full focus. So thank you. Absolutely. We're proud to do it and to partner there. Yeah, you guys are the professionals when it comes to putting on championships and you've taken on that event and it's just grown bigger and better. So it's really, really impressive and it's fun to follow every year. And kind of speaking of championships, So many golfers, they play in your events each week, each month throughout the summer. My guess is not very many of them know what goes into putting on the quality of championships that you and your staff do week in and week out. If you can, can you walk us through the timeline of something like the Women's Am or the Mass Open or the Senior Open? How many months are you working to select a site? Maybe years even. What does it look like for the team when they arrive on site? How far in advance is that? Are they living in the area for a week, depending on the scale of the event? This brings me back a few years personally, but I'm definitely still involved and engaged on it. So for a handful of our major marquee championships, the Women's Amateur, the Amateur, the Open, we do try to plan these out anywhere from five to 10 years. You know, a lot of clubs and facilities like to be able to support and plan and put their long-term schedules together. And it's an investment and a support that they're offering to host these events and these championships And it's an opportunity for them to showcase their venue, their teams, but also give back to the game and to the sport locally. So a lot of planning. That work always continues on through our championship committee, our championship department. It's a good amount of work for myself as well, putting the puzzle together of 120 events annually. But really, it's another collaboration opportunity and experience in working with the leadership of these clubs and facilities whether it's the general manager, director of golf, head pro, superintendent, golf chair, president, you name it. 
we want to make sure that they are partners in achieving what they are hoping to desire through outcomes and always trying to find the right fit for a particular venue. If there's a demographic they're looking for in particular, maybe there's some renovations or work being done that they're trying to show off or test out in some way and use it as that platform or vehicle to do so. But our championship team and our volunteer officials in charge by way of our championship committee really work in concert in putting these events on. A lot of the preliminary stuff is done six to 10 months out. Certainly dates are locked in well ahead of that, but putting together the logistics. And if you look at a championship, let's call it the Mass Open. We're here at TPC Boston this year. We have six qualifying events to get into the championship, and then we'll have roughly 30 to 40 exempt competitors who play their way in from past performance. So we're putting together a regional qualifying schedule that can complement those who want to give the event a go wherever they may live, or maybe they've got a preference as to where they would like to qualify based on familiarity or location. So there's also coordination and work being done with those facilities that will ultimately get us to our field of 150. So Kevin Eldridge, Greg Howell, the rest of the championship team, they're going to work closely on those arrangements, as well as our volunteer officials in charge to set up the day, the field size, the logistics of tea times, practice rounds, food and beverage, golf carts, what have you, all that behind the scenes stuff. So when you get to the event, you can focus on day of administration, maybe dealing with a little bit of weather and those things that tend to creep up on you. Those are the things that used to keep us up at night or continue to do in some ways. Like I said earlier, it's that labor of love. You know, it's a passion for what we do. Many of our staff and volunteers still are competitors. So they're able to offer that perspective of what the experience needs to be. And we try to make sure that we strike that balance. You know, we want to have a great experience, a good test of golf, but also to be able to showcase all these incredible venues that we have in Massachusetts. There's just so many and I know the appreciation from Mass Golf. I mean, we have it similar, far fewer requests, but when a club and a golf course welcomes your organization for several days and their membership becomes spectators versus participants on the first tee, it goes a long way in that partnership that you spoke about earlier. It really does. And there's nothing better than having, you know, a co-mingling of club representatives, Mass Golf representatives, folks that love and appreciate this stage, right? And they want to support it and be a part of it. Jesse, just thinking about some of the new strategic initiatives for Mass Golf, and they may not have to do with championships, but thinking about over the next few years, maybe touch on the recent announcement that we all saw. Can you give us a sense of what impact you're looking to have with the investment in the game award? So by way of our strategic plan, you know, we have some core functions and elements through team and organizational development, increasing opportunities for play in the women's demographic and realm, but also continuing to build out our junior golf support and development through programs and activities. But yeah, the one you just called out there, the Investment in the Game Award, we have always been interested and of the mindset that how can we continue to reinvest in the business, the industry, the ecosystem of Massachusetts golf? And in light of some of what we're experiencing at facilities, the labor force, trying to keep people interested and committed to the industry, we decided that we wanted to put our resources to work and create what we're now calling the Investment in the Game Award. And the intent there is to provide some financial resources to those who really want to be part of this industry and commit to the industry on a daily basis. So an example of that might be 
a superintendent who needs some certification or further education that may help advance their career. We want to be able to offer them some ability or flexibility to support that venture. If there's an individual out there who is deep in the technology space and has a a venture at their fingertips that can help support the game or the industry somehow, and there's a connection to Massachusetts that it's going to help our industry here within the Commonwealth, we want to be able to support that individual or that cause or a nonprofit in inner cities. Maybe there's clinics, programs, things that can introduce the game to a new cross-section. These are the types of things that we want to be able to help support. We have some resources that we've allocated to do so. It is brand new, so we're looking for some help to spread the word there, but we feel it should complement some of the other scholarship and award programs or groups who are out there. Really, the post-grad type of individual or candidate who's trying to keep the ecosystem strong. That's well said. It's a great program, and we'd like to see it, as with many things with Mass Golf, continue to grow and have an impact over the coming years. So congrats and kudos on that program. Going back to your personal experience and, and also the work that you had done when you first joined Mass Golf, you have an impressive background specifically in the rules of golf. It's a very valuable thing to know. I feel probably too few golfers have a real understanding of the rules, and I most certainly include myself in that. Two questions. Of some of the recently implemented rule changes, say, of the last three or five years, or potentially some to come, what have been some of the ones that you've been a fan of immediately or have changed you know, or improved some of the championships and events that you put on? And what's like a rule that my friends and I are likely breaking every time we tee it up, possibly without even knowing? That's good stuff there. You know, I would say... It's hard because I don't live the rules as much as I used to, right, on a daily basis. So I think generally, I have been really pleased in how the USGA, the RNA have evolved over time and wanting to make the rules easier to understand, easier to implement, easier to engage with, considering technology advancements and just being really more compatible and more realistic. It used to be a very tricky and cumbersome process. And you almost needed a law degree to decipher the decisions book or the rules book. Now it's accessible through a mobile app, right? And that's the way of the world these days. But it's also an opportunity to engage a little bit more and to educate a little bit more. I had fun with rules education. You know, I never liked being stumped, right? There's always that person in the room that wanted to catch you. But no, for me, it was always a process. There were a couple of years there I felt pretty strong with my rules knowledge, but you've got to keep up with it. You know, it's one of those things if you're not doing it, every day, it can slip easily. I don't know if I'd call out one particular rule that I feel has been you know, revolutionary, but I think just in the wave of change and updates that they've made in these last few revisions, I think it's healthy. I think it's good for the sport and speaks to where the sport is trending. There's a couple of good ones that you, <laughs> I don't know if I'd call out anything specific that you might be breaking on a daily basis. We've got to get out and play. And we'll wait till we break them, Thomas, and then we'll call us on it. <laughs> I'm not an old gotcha type right, of guy. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> Jesse, you, you wear many hats, really, on the business side within the golf industry. And some people may not know this, but you're a past president of the IAGA, the International Association of Golf Administrators. Essentially, what that is, is that's all the state golf associations all across the country collaborating. And last few years, been little involved in participating in that and bringing in the allied organizations there with the We Met Fund and other caddy funds. So thank you. But that's a big role. And also more locally, I've been on the calls. So I know you also unofficially, but officially lead AMGO, the Alliance of Massachusetts Golf Organizations. You had a big lift 
we worked with COVID, getting golf back to normal operations three years ago. But now AMGO has another initiative underway that you're working on, the economic impact study. What do people, golfers or otherwise, really not know about what golf means to the economy here in the Bay State? Yeah, thank you for those mentions. And with IAGA, that was a treat. That was a heck of an opportunity to pursue. You know, as a younger executive director, I would lean on folks that I got familiar with or close with. IAGA has conducted an annual conference for many, many years. It's our opportunity to share best practices and learn from our peers and our colleagues in and around the country. I was able to follow a couple of executive directors here who were also past presidents of the IAGA, Joe Sprague, Dick Haskell, Tom Landry. And, you know, this was an opportunity for me to kind of step out and lead and support our national group, work with the USGA, work with a board representing all of our state and regional associations, and certainly at a challenging time. You know, that was in the midst of the pandemic, but We've been able to grow the organization, provide additional value and education to our member organizations, and really represent the industry, having opportunities to be at some national meetings, national events, and really share and expose all that we do within the game and the sector that we kind of represent, if you will. And then on top of that, yeah, with AMGO, the Alliance of Mass Golf Organizations, this has really been a group that has been constructive for decades, but I think most notably... We probably got our quote unquote brand out there back during the pandemic, but for good reasons. You know, this was a way for us to really connect closely as an industry here in Massachusetts and support the opportunity and the notion to get the game back in order, working with the governor at the time, his administration, the lieutenant governor, and making sure through a pandemic, through space unfamiliar to a lot of us. How could we go about getting our business back in order and keeping people safe, healthy, being understanding and respectful of the circumstances, not just in the country, but around the world? And that, in turn, allowed us to connect and collaborate with other peers, again, around the country, leaning on some national organizations. National Golf Foundation at the time, I recall being a tremendous resource, PGA of America, USGA. And since then, Colin, to your point, I've been really pleased in just the cadence and approach that we've been able to take with our alliance and the representatives involved to try to tackle some current events, current objectives, and things that we can continue to work on together, one of which is a economic impact study. The last one we did was back in 2015, which tied to 2012 data, and this one we're doing now will reflect 2022. But to your questions there, I think it is quite surprising the level of impact this industry can provide on the state, whether it's through jobs, through wages, through charity and charitable work. The stats that we're going to see, I expect them to really eclipse what we experienced back in 2015 there. But it's an incredible industry that, because we're seasonal, I think sometimes gets a little bit lost or a little bit left behind. But you could stack us up with the semiconductor industry, if I recall from the last report. And there's over 25,000 jobs 2.7 overall economic impact from back then. So capturing 2022, what we experienced there with a couple of national championships, the big one being the U.S. Open, the trends that we're seeing throughout the industry and clubs and facilities, tee times being more of a challenge to get, wait lists at private clubs. So it's really going to show how momentous things are within golf throughout the state. When does AMGO anticipate being able to share that, Jesse? So I would expect 
Towards the end of April or early May, we'll have the report readily available to be shared, to be publicized. And we're working on some events and opportunities to share that and strategically inform constituents around the state and make sure that these stats and facts are readily available and known. Yeah, given the last few years, Jesse, I think that people will find those numbers can be fairly staggering. So again, great work there. I look forward to reading through that. Going back to you personally, you spend so much time completely engulfed in the game of golf. And you know, sometimes you hear about when someone works in a specific field or sport, they might want to get away from it in their free time. Is golf still a sport you could enjoy in your time off? And maybe not even just as a player, but like, will you turn on a golf tournament on the weekends? Absolutely. I am a fan of the game. I enjoy it. There are times, certainly when you're playing, that you've got a lot of stuff on your mind. But I've tried to be pretty intentional to try to enjoy the experience out there. Playing with family, having an opportunity to play with my dad and our kids, or getting out there for nine holes with my wife, getting out there with some friends, you know, an annual buddies trip, college buddies trip. There was a time when I was in the event space a little bit more where I needed that change of scenery, so to speak. But now I've come to appreciate really what this game is all about and the experience out there, whether it's nine holes, 18 holes, you know, taking advantage of that window of opportunity and just being in the moment. And I would say too, now having a couple of generations of golfers in the family, it's really special and cool to see kids pick up the game. My wife didn't grow up playing golf, but she knows this is an opportunity to catch my attention for a little bit. And we both get a great experience out of it. So I have a great time playing. The game has suffered. I will confirm, unfortunately, but there's always opportunity to get that handicap down. That's awesome. And again, Jesse, we can't thank you enough for your time today. And I was just sort of wondering, you know, in closing, I'm from Connecticut. And one thing I was blown away by when moving to work in Massachusetts was the sheer volume of incredible golf clubs and courses and people in the game throughout the state. You know, you have all these different pockets of the state as well. North Shore, Boston, Cape Cod, Western Massachusetts. It's kind of incredible, if you will, the embarrassment of riches in the quality of golf here in Massachusetts. It's become my favorite place to play because of the courses, the people, they're fun down to earth. And I've always been blown away by how incredibly good these golfers are, even though having seven or eight months to play. For you, what would you say is something that you love specifically about golf in Massachusetts? And what's the reason you keep coming back to spending your career working golf here in Massachusetts? Maybe two words, passion and camaraderie. And I think you called out some really important nuggets there. The venues that we have, the traditions that we have here, it's a golf-obsessed community in a good way, in a very good way. We capture the seasonality of what we have, but I will say, I think in the last 10 years, Massachusetts golf in many different capacities is relevant. It is on the map. People want to visit here, play here, have the experience here. We've got national champions. We've got elite talent. And you've got terrain and territory that can provide totally different experiences on any given day. An opportunity to tee it up by the water on the Cape. Nothing more special than that, but head out to the Berkshires, go play you know, in Williamstown at Taconic. You've got the mountains, the scenery, or anywhere in the central part of the state. It's just opportunities are endless. And we are so fortunate, so lucky. I think people just want to be a part of that and support it however they can. Couldn't agree more, Jesse. And we're very excited for this season in Massachusetts golf. So thank you very much for the time. We really do appreciate it and all the support of Mass Golf. 
Guys, thank you so much. This was really enjoyable. And you've got a proud alumni here of the fund. So thanks for all that you guys do. Well, we're proud of your success personally and the impact that you're making with Mass Golf. But as Thomas also said, there's so many great folks and the partnership that Mass Golf has had with the WeMet Fund over the years and the support of each other is something we're also proud of. So thank you. Well said. Yeah. Let's have a great year ahead, guys. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Jesse.